This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Today, we're going to learn about David Melech, which we're in the middle of. Well, actually, we just finished Shul. But we're also going to learn about Rus. There's a little bit Rus in every girl, right? No? There's actually a lot of Rus in every girl. Rus was called Aim Hamalchus. She's considered the mother of royalty, of all royalty in the Jewish nation, she is considered Aim Hamalchus. It's a machlaikis with Bathsheba or her, but we say that it was that it was pretty much her. And I think that you all need to know that she was not the best girl in seminary. She was not valedictorian. She wasn't even Jewish. Now how could it be that a girl who is not even Jewish could become the Eim HaMalchus. David HaMelech came from her. Mashiach ben David came from her. I think it's a very important lesson to every woman, to every person. <coughs> it's not where you come from that counts. It's where you get to that counts. Because everybody comes from different places. And I'm not so smart. My parents are not so religious. No, there's no excuse. She came from Moab. Now let's talk a little bit about let's talk about a little bit about Moab, right? So he was named Moab because Meavi, it was Lot's daughter. We spoke about this last week. <coughs> it was Lot's daughter who thought the world was destroyed, was with him, became pregnant, and said there was no. Uh, Immaculate conception here in the cave. We're not starting a new religion. May Avi, it's from my father. That was his name, May Avi. So that's a pretty low place to start off with, right? And they were not good people, the Moavim. They were, the Torah tells us that we cannot marry a Moavi. We're not allowed to marry, a Jew is not allowed to marry. You can marry a Mitzri if he becomes a Jew. A Mitzri can become a Jew after what they did to us in Egypt. Amalek! Amalek could become a Jew. But not a Moavi. Why not? Two things they did wrong. One, which is very, very important. The Jewish nation came out of Mitzrayim. They were hungry. They were thirsty. And they came to Moab and they said, Brothers, cousins! Because we're cousins. Because Moab comes from Lot. And Lot was Abraham Avinu's nephew. So we're cousins. So cousins, can we get a glass of water? Can we get a piece of bread? And the Moabim said, nope. You're not getting anything. <coughs> now, when Lot was captured by the kings, by the four kings, he would have been killed if Avram Avinu wouldn't have come and saved his life. So the Jews said, one second. You're not willing to give us bread and water? If it wasn't for our forefather, Avram Avinu, you wouldn't even be in the world. So, hello, Hakosatov, recognize that the Jews did something good for you. And they said, nope. Hashem said that a nation that does not have appreciation, I do not want their spiritual genetics, DNA, to be in the Jewish people. Does any girl here know the basic mitzvah that is based on 
Hakar Satov. A mitzvah bein Adam la Adam. In other words, not between us and Hashem. Of course, Hashem, we have to have a Korsatov that every day that we wake up and that we have life. Yes. Kibbut Avayim. That's why Kibbut Avayim is in the first five of the mitzvahs, not in the second five. The second five is bein Adam between us and each other. Can't steal. Can't be jealous. Right? It's all about between a human and a human. The first five is between us and Hashem. What's Kibbut Avayim doing in between us and Hashem? It's about honoring our parents, right? And the answer is... You cannot appreciate God if you if you don't appreciate your parents. I remember once that my parents were like dysfunctional and they did mean and they don't let me go out after eleven and they don't let me in the car and they 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 bother me all the time. Okay, but who brought you into this world? I don't want to be in this world. Who asked them to bring me into this world? I hear it all the time. So. They brought you into this world to give you life, to give you potential. I just told you a story which went totally viral about the girl with leukemia. Now, this is a girl that I know very well, and she continuously tells me that she doesn't want to live. She's telling me that for a long time. She's a, she's a cutter, whatever she goes through. She doesn't want to live. And then when they told her you would 95% have leukemia... She called me up and said, "You got to, you got to save me. You got to do something. You got to go." You got. I said, "One second. Every day you're telling me you wish you were dead. Yeah, you wish you were dead until you, until you, until you realize you might be. But when you realize you might be, you really want life. They say every time someone jumps off a bridge, halfway down, they're like, "Uh oh, I shouldn't have done that." How did they know? But it's not making you wrong with death. That's what their psychology say that the psychology of it. What? There's a whole poem yeah, about that specific thing. Really? You from halfway down. There's this. Okay, there's a poem called. Talks about it that um, he he like he jumped and he survived. And he's like a whole like speaker now about. And he changed his mind halfway down. Life is potential. So so. Um, can you be can you be angry at someone who? Put you in a vault full of gold, silver, and jewels, and money. Right? And you say, who asked you to put me in this vault with all this money? Listen, I put you in the vault. It's up to you if you want to take the money. If you just want to sit there and not take any of the money. But don't be angry at me. Don't be angry at me that I put you in the vault where you could be a billionaire. You don't want to be able to know. That's your choice. Don't be angry at me. So, so the, 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 the Mishnayis in Pirkei Avo says that one second in this world, one second in this world of good deeds or repentance is greater than the whole Olam Haba. I want to go to Ganeidin. I want to go to Olam Haba. Olam Haba is supposed to be like... And, and it says that ple- one second of pleasure in the world to come is greater than all the pleasures you could put together. Everything. Haggadahs, ice cream, whatever you, whatever you like. You put that all together. One second in the next world of pleasure is greater than all the pleasure in this world. And one second in this world is greater than all of the next world. So they're putting you in a fantastic place. Yeah, there is some pain. There is some other stuff going on. I'm not saying that there isn't. That's part of life. But the bottom line is, you have a chance to collect trillions of dollars every second. That's why I just spoke for a school um, last night, actually, on technology. 
And this one, one teacher got up and she's saying about watching porn and another teacher got up and said about watching movies and another and, and I'm like I'm like I'm not going into the Judaism of it and the anti and, and, and the and the you go online and, and you're a he and you're a she and you're a they and you're an I and you're I don't know what you are and they have all these different places that people go on online just because they're curious and, and, and atheism and, and, and I don't even want to use the word and all the other stuff that they're selling online and that's poison and you know I I I, I have no idea because I got this little phone. So, so it happens to be that many years ago I said something that a lot of people online did not like. And it went viral. And everyone who was coming to me saying, hey, Wallstein, they're bad-mouthing you and this one and you're, and you're on this chat and you're on that chat and oh my God. And, 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 and I'm like, I, I don't know anything because I have no chat. So they could, you know, if someone, if someone across the world is talking bad about you and you don't know about it, does it hurt you? No, you don't know about it. I know about it, and I had no way to 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 unless I took someone's smartphone to to hear about it. So I was like, they could talk about me all they want. They're talking Chinese, and I only speak English. I don't know nothing. Of course, two three days later, you're you're you know the next one. They go after the next one. So 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 I didn't I didn't speak I didn't speak last night about all the Avelis and and the Shemir and Nayim. And, and, and then one therapist got up and spoke about that girls are just like boys, and, and why do all people only worry about what boys watch, um, that they're not supposed to, it, it, it's, it's just as unhealthy um, uh, emotionally, uh, not emotionally, didn't say emotionally, but it's just as unhealthy for, for boys and for girls, and I, didn't, I, was, I was just listening, I didn't have any input, but I totally disagree with that. Totally disagree that it's the same thing. A girl watches things she shouldn't, and a boy watches things he shouldn't. Because a boy is a physical, is mamish, it's, it's mamish, not emotional. It's totally physical. Ninety percent. Time magazine, about ten years ago. Ninety percent of emotional relationships between a girl and a boy become physical. Ninety percent. If you get emotionally involved with a boy, you will not be Shemur the Gia. 90%. 10%? Yeah. But 90%. 20% of physical relationships, you ready? 20% of physical relationships become emotional. Girls think that if I get physical with a boy, he's going to love me. I got him. He's mine. Wrong. Wrong. Because physical relationships normally do not become emotional. Emotional relationships, when a man and a woman get married, and they have also a physical relationship, it empowers the emotional relationship. And that's why in Judaism it's very holy. It's not ugh, it's not disgusting. It's very zivug, it's very, very holy. It's not my share. Jackie Bitton can talk to you about that. It's not for me to talk to you about. So, my discussions on Shemri Nagia is not really where I'm going today. I started off with Rus. But my discussions with Shemri Nagia is that by a girl... It's very different when she watches something that she shouldn't be watching because it messes her up totally emotionally. A guy, it's a big Avera, don't get me wrong, but he's not emotional. It's just physical. 
And that's why men sometimes, they shouldn't do it, but they pay to be physical with a woman, and they walk out, and it's just like they went for lunch. And there's no relationship whatsoever. And by a girl, it's very different. I don't know why that therapist said what she said. It's very, I'm teaching girls for a long time. It's a whole emotional, ganze meise drama, inside, outside. It's a whole thing of relationships. A huge emotional, emotional relationship, which is one of the reasons that that girls who have very deep emotional relationships with other girls and ends up in not such a good place, it, it's, it's very bad for their marriages because the guy is not a girl. And he's not going to sit there, and, most of guys, are not going to sit there and cry with you and talk about stuff for three, four hours. So all of a sudden, this girl now gets married and it's not the same relationship and it really blows up their relationship. So the, the Chachamim who came up with and all the boundaries that they came up with, they came up with it not because they're a bunch of old, mean men sitting in a room trying to get a bunch of teenagers in trouble. That's not what was happening. They understood extremely well, and I have a share, my first share on Torah anytime about this. They understood extremely well that you don't even know if you, and not Shemunigia, you don't even know if you like that guy. It might be just female male. How do you know he's the right guy? Maybe it's just because he's a guy. So if you, if you date someone for three months, and then for the next three months you're engaged, and for six months you can't touch him and you're shaming the gear, and you still like each other, guess what? It's not about a person's body. It's about who the person's personality is. And that gives you clarity. Hachaman knew exactly what they were talking about. Of course, everyone who's listening to this, even on Torah anytime, who's not Shemirigiyo, who is, doesn't hear what Rabbi Wallstein's saying, in their mind they're saying, it's true, most guys are like that, but my mayor, my Chaim, he's different. He's just a good guy. Or even worse, I'm different. I'm different. I'll tell you something really crazy. I don't even know why I, you know, I walk in before I give class and I always say, Hashem, should come out of my mouth what they need to hear. I have a share on Rus. So I don't know where we're going here, but I'll tell you a story that with Rabbi Gamliel, my Rebbe. So I brought him a girl that, from Ornava, and she was engaged to get a bracha. They were in Eretz Yisrael when I was there, for Yom Kippur, to get engaged. Uh, they were engaged to get a bracha. So he doesn't give a bracha to anyone who's not Shemini Gia. And we got the first question he asked, are you Shemini Gia? I won't give you a bracha if you're not. Why? He said, I'll give you a bracha to get married, but if you're not Shemini Gia, who says you're going to keep Taras and Mishpacha? So why would I be part of that, giving a bracha to a husband and a wife that are not keeping Taras and Mishpacha? So his first question is, you Shemini Gia? If they say yes, he gives them the craziest good bracha. If you're not, sorry, I can't. I can't give you a bracha because I don't know what's going to happen. So he asked this girl, um, so the two of you are Shemini Gia? She said, mostly. That's an interesting answer. Mostly. He said, oh, mostly? Yeah, we, we have parameters, we have barriers, we can control things. He said something that blew me away. He said, that's the Yitzhahara. Yitzhahara always tells you, I'm different. That's how he gets you to do everything that you do wrong. Because if you're not different, and that's what the Chachamim say, then you're not going to listen. So he quoted a halacha. 
The halacha is, you ready? Now it's going to sound very uchi. But this is a halacha in Shulchan Aruch. That a man is not allowed to be alone in a room with a woman. Right? You, you, you learned about you learned, you learned about this? Anyone know the halachas of Yichud? Did you ever learn the halachas of Yichud, anyone? Yes, open the window. Who taught you the halachas of Yichud? Rabbi Blum. Here? No. You never learned, you never learned the halachas of Yichud here? No. Okay, so then we have to make sure that we learn the halachas of Yichud. So the halach of Yichud, that a woman and a man cannot be in a room that's closed with nobody there. Okay? That's the halacha. Two, two men with a woman is okay, two women with a man is not okay. Because there's a lot of different halachas in Yichud. Okay? If the door is open, if the window is open, if the window is open but you're in, a, you're in the forest, that doesn't help you because nobody can hear you. We should learn the halachas of Yichud. I don't know, maybe Rabbi Gosper will teach it to you. In the halachas of Yichud it says that a man cannot be in the same room with a woman even if she's not alive. You heard me? Even if she's not alive. Who's gonna touch her? Right. Crazy. So I'm sitting there and I'm like, huh? Like we all said, that's the halacha. So if Khatashama a woman dies, they need to have a shomer, right? That's shomer till they bury them. The shomer is a woman, not a man. So I thought that was pretty like like the chacham, I'm like, that's a little uh, that's a little overboard in my head when I was listening. I'm like, okay, chacham, right. That's crazy. But that's what he said. So he said, so therefore, how can anybody say that they're different? If the Chachamim said you can't be in the room alone with a dead body, like, how could so? So he said, he said, either you, either you keep Shemini Gi or you don't keep Shemini Gi. Okay, I walked out. I was, this was a long time ago. I was like, okay, like, that's a little bit. Two years later, two years later, there was, and you can look it up, there was a case, and they actually made it into a movie where these two guys were in a hospital and used to go at night into the morgue, into the morgue where the dead women were, and do crazy stuff. And it became a big Supreme Court case because being that they're not alive is not considered first degree, whatever it is. It became a big case because they're not alive. You have to be alive. I got some Isa. And I said to myself, Chachamim wrote this hundreds, maybe thousand years ago. And it's totally out of the book. It's like, what, what are you talking about? And two years later, Supreme Court, it happened in a hospital. I forgot what it's called. There's even an English word for it, whatever it is. So we're not different. We're not different. And the HR's koyach is, we're different. And I'm sorry for being so graphic, but you got to get the point across. The first time I dealt with a teenage pregnancy of a girl who was 16 years old, who I knew, who was pregnant, and I had to go to Besden. I'm not going to get into the whole case. I knew this girl, and I said to her, how did this happen? I mean, I wasn't asking a biological question. Like, you're 16, I know her, she's a, it's going to sound weird, she's a from girl. She's a from girl. What does that mean? Shama Shabbos, Shama Kashrias. Her skirt is above her, below her knees. A nice kid, not a wild kid, not a street kid. So I was sitting with her, and this was a very serious situation. I said, I don't need to know graphically what happened, but 
Like, how did you... How did this happen to you? He said, well, Wallstein, I'm going back. This is when I started. So I'm going back probably about 18 years, 17 years, when I started teaching girls. And she said, you're not going to believe it. Don't laugh. I'm like, I'm not going to laugh. She said, we were in the park. We were in the park by a table. We were talking, whatever it was. And he was telling me that in yeshiva... He was the champion arm wrestler. He won all the arm wrestles. And he said, I bet that if I put my hand on the table, like this, flat on the table, with just my wrist up, you couldn't put my wrist down. I'm already starting as a loser, that I, I'm, I lost, but you, to lose you have to, you have to hit the, you can't put it down. She said, are you kidding me? I play Machanayim. I'm, I'm very strong. I'll put it down in two seconds. He goes, yeah, let's see. She said, that's how it started. Is that, is that crazy? You're pregnant and it started from an arm wrestle? And the answer is, that's how the Chachamim came up with Shem Gia. Because once you break that line... Even though you're thinking, that girl's that's something wrong with her, she's sick, she's weird, she's this, she's that, it would never happen with me. Yetzirah's koyach, his strength is just to get in a little bit. Just to break you down a little bit. Buy an iPhone, a smartphone, so you can listen to Torah anytime. Buy an iPhone so you can have a WhatsApp. Watching stuff you shouldn't have show you, Tzadikista, you don't even need a filter. I, I, I just met a girl yesterday, and I asked her, we were talking about phones, I said, is your phone filtered? You know what she told me? I don't need a filter. I don't go to any of those places. I'm like, you have no filter on your phone? She goes, no, I don't need it. I don't go to those places. And I said to her, oh my gosh, I don't even have a filtered phone. Because I'm scared I'm going to go to those places. And I'm Robert Wallace and I'm 63 years old. You're 18 years old and you're telling me you're not worried about going to those places when you don't have a filter? That's Koya HaSatan. You're different. Not going to happen to me. And that's how he gets in. And once he's in, it's like a fly. If you have an apple... And the fly lands on the apple, he cannot eat the apple. Because it's whole. But if you take a bite into that apple, that fly will eat that apple to the core. The Yetzirah is called a fly. And he's looking to every girl in this room where I could get through your defense. And if you give me an inch, I will go in there... And in the end, you're going to be miyayesh because you did this wrong, you did that wrong, you did this wrong, you did that wrong. And in the end, you're going to be miyayesh, you're going to give up, and I own you. It never starts with a crazy thing. It never starts with a, some guy, you know, I have girls in college, whatever it is, and, 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 and it never starts with a guy in college walking over to a Jewish girl and saying, What's up? Let's do it! Come on! Get out of here! You're a freak! You're nuts! Go away from me! Yeah. No, it's like, oh, um, you're Jewish? Yeah, could you tell me a little bit about Judaism? Like, why you girls look so quiet? It's like, once you start talking to him, 
and you start having a relationship with him, which is, I'm doing a Kiddush Hashem. I'm, you know, he's got you. You're done. That was the problem that Chava, girls, that was Chava's problem. When the Nachash came to Chava and he said, can you eat from the tree? Can you not eat from the tree? Can you? She should have said, I don't know. When Hashem commanded my husband, I wasn't created yet. I don't know what Hashem said. And we would still be alive for the rest, for, for uh, 5,000 years, because she would never eat from the tree. Because she wasn't there when Hashem spoke to Adam. She wasn't created yet. But instead, women are very maternal. Maternal means they love to take care of things. That's why girls have Barbie dolls and have dolls. And guys, if they're normal, do not have dolls because we are not maternal. We don't take care of our stuff. Girls like to take care of things. If you ask a, a man for directions, he'll tell you, make a left, make a right, it should be on the corner. You ask a woman for the same direction, she's like, okay, follow me. I'll show you, I'll take you. Why? Why is she saying that? Because she's maternal. She likes to take care of stuff. Women have more pets than men have. We don't like to take care of a rabbit. We don't like to take care of anything. So that maternal instinct the Satan uses to get you to talk to people at work or in college or in the street or on the bus that you should not be talking to. But he's not going to send some guy who's going to attack you or say nasty, dirty, disgusting things to you because you're like, I, I don't do that. Get, go away. I'm calling the police. No, it's going to be a nice guy. It's going to be the nicest guy. Today, today, you know how many girls I have dealt with that tell me I can't break up with him because he needs me. Oh, when I hear that word, I'm like, we're done. He needs me. He said that if I break up with him, he's going to commit suicide. So how can I leave him? Oh, we, we, we're hunters. We know what to say. Or he says, you know that ever since I met you, my relationship with my mother has got much better. Or ever since I met you, I started going to Minion. It's like, Rabbi Wallerstein, I got him to go to Minion. How could I leave him? You don't want me to leave him. And I'm like, you're shaming the gear? No. You're doing all kinds of stuff? Yes. I said, that's a much bigger Avera than not going to Minion. What are you doing? But they know. They know how to get you because you're maternal. You want to take care of things. That's what Chava did. That was exactly why the Nachash was called Aram. What does Aram mean? He was shrewd. He was calculating. He didn't come to Chava and say, Hey, Chava, eat from that tree. It's amazing. How are you? Good morning. What's up? So what? What? Nachash was a guy. He was a guy. Well, Nachash was the male. Why would you talk to him if she was Because she... How many women talk to men that are married because they want to help them? At work? <sighs> you know what goes on at work sometimes? A guy comes over and says, You know, I see your husband sent you flowers. You guys have such an amazing marriage. I don't have such a good marriage. I'm, 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 I'm struggling. Maybe we could go out for like coffee and talk. Maybe you could give me some pointers. Oh God, I throw up when I hear that stuff. Maybe give me some pointers. She, he's looking... He's looking for a relationship with you. Come on. Let her go to a therapist. No, I'm not 
And if a guy starts talking to you in college or wherever you are about Judaism, you know what? You want to know if it's really wants about Judaism? Tell him to call Robert Wallstein. He'll, he'll sit and learn with you. No, no, I want to talk to you. Go on, go on, go online and ask Aisha Torah, the rabbis. You can talk to them all night. You can ask them any question you want. No, I want to talk to you. Of course. Because he's not interested in the guy in Aisha Torah. He's not interested in Wallstein. He's interested, he's, I don't want to even use the words what he's interested in. It's a bluff. You, you, you're having a problem with your wife? Why are you talking to me? Go to therapy. It's a trap. It's a trap. How do you trap bees with honey, with sweetness, with interest? And if that girl or woman, chas v'shalom, is not in a good marriage, or this young girl does not have a healthy relationship with her father, so she's not getting unconditional male love where she's supposed to be getting it, then the vulture, the guy, sees that, that she's extremely vulnerable to someone complimenting her. Many times I have 13-year-old girls or 14-year-old girls who are going out with guys and they think I'm a makubal because when their parents bring them to me, She's like, you don't know who I'm going out with, do you? My parents don't know. You don't, you don't know. I'm like, nope. But I'll tell you how old he is. She's 14. I said, he's between 16 and 17. <gasps> how do you know that? Okay. Nobody knows. I'm like, I'll tell you something else I know about you, because I'm a big makobal. You don't have a good relationship with your dad. You don't have any relationship with your dad. You don't talk to him about your stuff. <gasps> how, who told you? My mother? I'm like, no. And I'll tell you something about the boy who I don't know, he doesn't have a good relationship with his mother. He hates his mother. Rabbi, yeah, I looked at your names, I'm a Makobo, it's not true, I'm not a Makobo, it has nothing to do with it. Why would, a, why would a 16, 17-year-old boy be going out with a 14-year-old girl? She's a little kid. Why isn't he going out with a 17-year-old girl? Right, it's a good question. 17-year-old boy, what does he want with a 14-year-old girl? Go out with a 17-year-old girl. Because, and why is this girl going out why isn't her boyfriend 14? Why is he 16, 17? And the answer is very simple. That the way Hashem created us, right? We have a board back here? Ah, a board. Beautiful. Wow, this is really going off the roof story. I don't know what, what happened. Do we have a, a marker? Anybody have a marker? Oh, there's one on the ah. Very interesting. This is special. You girls, this is very special because I don't usually use the board. I actually... Never use the board. All right. Is the camera on it? The camera sees it? Can you check the camera? See if it sees the board. Are we on target? You got the board in there? What's the camera for? The camera's tore anytime. It will be, yeah. All right. So the way Hashem created us is as follows. Relationship, when you start, it's called a vertical relationship. This is you. We'll call her Chana. There's Chana, little Chana. That's about as much as I can draw. And all her relationships as a child and growing up is vertical. Up on top, you have Mommy, Tati, Hashem. You know, first grade Hashem is everywhere. Teachers, and here's Hashem, right? Everything's above you. You pretty much don't have much input. You're, you're just taking in, you're taking in, you're taking in. So that's your vertical relationship when you start. In your vertical relationship, a girl, a girl, the way Hashem created us, is supposed to have 
a healthy, unconditional love relationship with a male, which is her father. Okay, that's how you're supposed to start. A boy has a love, unconditional relationship with his mother. Because these relationships, these needs for relationship, have to be in you because you're not going to marry a guy if you don't have that in you. And the girl is not going to marry a boy if she doesn't have that in you. She's born with a need for a male. And the boy is born with a need for a female. In the Neshama, in Kabbalah, whatever it is, there's a female half and there's a male half. One is Din, one is Rachamit, whatever. We're not going to get into it. But that's, that's what you need. Now, as you, go, as you grow older, you, become, you, you begin to have what's called a horizontal relationship. Horizontal, I don't want to make a cross, so we're going to make a plus right in the middle. Okay? Your horizontal relationship, here she is. Here's Hanalah. You start having friends. Teenage friends is the relationship, right? You start having friends, and you grow, and you grow, and you grow, and you have this guy that you're going to marry. You're married to him, right? And then, and this is called the plus. If you do not have a healthy vertical relationship, mommy, tati, Hashem, whatever, and you erase this, you only have a minus. If you go, eraser, if you go into your teenage years, when you're supposed to be developing a, a horizontal relationship, husband, friends, right? But you don't have a horizontal relationship when you were younger, which means that your first relationship failed, then what you have is a minus. And usually, those kids struggle with their horizontal relationship, husband, marriage, friends, and everything else. It's very important that your first relationship is successful. Now, after that, becomes a new relationship, and that is a parent to a child. Okay? Which is vertical and horizontal. And that's supposed to teach us how to have a relationship with our Kurdish Baruch Hu, actually. The plus relationship is the relationship that we're going to have with the Baruch But what happens, girls, and I'm not trying to trigger anybody now, because you could always change what your, what your relationship with your kids is going to be. What happens if this little Hanalah, this little Hanalah doesn't have a relationship with her father? Okay? It doesn't mean she fights with him, she just doesn't have a relationship. He takes the boys to the basketball games and the football games, and to yeshiva, and to learning, and to all these things, but he doesn't pay attention to his daughter. Because, oh, my daughter, her mother will take care of her. So now, she has a huge void because she never got that unconditional male love from her father. That's healthy. So along comes a boy and says to this 14-year-old girl, Wow, you're beautiful. I never met someone like you. You're so smart. I don't care what your parents think of you. I don't care what your teachers think of you. I know who you are. You're amazing. She's done. She doesn't have a chance. She is done like Chava. She doesn't have a chance. Because every woman, female, needs unconditional male love. And if she didn't get it, and all of a sudden the 16-year-old guy who's only interested in body parts... It's really all he wants. He's not marrying you. 
Guys are not getting emotionally into a girl at 16. That's for sure. I'm happy if they do it after they get married, right? So that's all he wants. But you're hearing, you're beautiful, you're special, and that's something you're supposed to get from your father. You're not going to be home and tell your father, this guy just sent me a text. This guy just WhatsApped me. This guy just called me. Because you don't have a relation with your father. And the guy knows that you're very vulnerable. You're done. And I give this shit to parents, and I'm like, please, fathers, take your girls out. Talk to them. Develop a relationship. Now, what's with this guy? Why is a 16, 17-year-old guy going out with a ninth grader? And the answer is, number one, he didn't get that, he doesn't have that relationship with his mother. He doesn't have unconditional love from his mother. He's not going to get unconditional love from a 17-year-old girl. If he's 17, she's going to be all over him like, why didn't you call me? Why were you late? Why this? Why that? Why did you look at my friend? She's going to make him crazy. But the 14-year-old girl, he's God. He's even shaving already. And he even drives already. So she's like, wow. He needs that wow because he didn't get the wow from his mother. So you got the 17-year-old guy who didn't get the wow from his mother, and you got the 14-year-old girl who didn't get the wow from her father. We're done. We're done. So yes, that girl is very vulnerable. And yes, you say, okay, but Rat Watson, it's not my fault. My father doesn't talk to me. I don't have that relationship. Okay, so now I'm going to say something which you're not going to be happy about. Sometimes when you don't have a good relationship with your parents, you need to push yourself to have a relationship with Hashem. Because there's a void. We all, as human beings, were created. We're not animals. Animals don't need a relationship. They don't have a relationship. You never saw a cow, right? You never saw an ox bring a, a, a flower to a cow in the, in, the, in, the, in, the, in, in the field. I love you, cow. Moo, moo, moo. No. There's no relationship at all in the animal world. In the human world, being that we have a neshama and we have emotions, animals do not have emotions, then that neshama, which is emotions and spirituality, if you're not getting it, and I'm talking to you from experience, if you're not getting it from humans, you still need it. And there are many people that have gone through very tough relationships and even abuse abusive relations with their parents and the girls that made it through had developed a relationship with Hashem so even though they, 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 they couldn't talk to their parents they talked to Hashem a lot and I don't, I'm not saying only by davening I'm talking about sitting at the edge of their bed when they're outside, when they're inside they just talk a lot to Hashem and it sort of fills the void, it's not an excuse for parents that's for sure not and for all of the girls in this room that don't have that relationship well, guess what? You make sure you give it to your children. Because everyone needs to be loved. And everyone needs to be cared for. And after my sure, many times, girls are like, it's not fair, Rabbi Wallstein. That's not my relationship with my parents. And the answer is, you know what it feels like? Make sure, Mitzah Hashem, when you have children, because that is the closest relationship that a human being has. As close as a child can be to a parent... There is no closer relationship as a human being, as a parent to a child. There is no parent in the world, no matter how dysfunctional or how much they disliked their kid, that if a Nazi would walk over to them and say, I got one bullet, it's either going to be for you 
or for your kid, I don't know the most dysfunctional parent that would say, kill my kid. No, it doesn't exist. So at the end of the day, the love of a parent to a child, even if it's the most dysfunctional parent, is unparalleled. And, you know, it says it takes one parent to take care of ten kids, and it takes ten kids to take care of one parent. So that's a very crazy relationship, and if you don't have that, and you're not getting that, that's part of the plan for whatever reason it is, because we don't choose our parents, even though someone says you do, but I never saw any safer that you choose your parents, that, that the bottom line is, but you could choose to be what kind of parent you'll be. And if you have a husband and he's not giving the attention that your daughter needs or your son needs, you need to talk to him and say, if we don't give them the attention, there's someone out there that will, and that person that will probably will not be healthy. So why should we put our kid in that situation? Well, that's very, it's not what I came to talk about. I came to talk about Rus, but it's very, very, very important. And the Chachamim were very, very brilliant in what they did by setting up Shemunigiyah, because Shemunigiyah protects you from mixing up the physical boy-girl relationship to the spiritual-emotional relationship. And the physical relationship, if that's what your marriage is based on, and that's what your relationship is based on, it's going to change. You're going to get Mitchum, have children, your body changes, his body changes, everything changes. So if you're going to marry someone who's a body person, who's marrying you for your body, well, guess what? When you're 40 and he has a 19-year-old Italian secretary working for him, we're going to have big problems because he's a body buyer. But if, he, if he's close to you because of your personality and your emotional relationship, 20 years later, it's much stronger. You're much more beautiful to that person emotionally and spiritually. Physically, no. As you get older, you get less beautiful. That's normal. But the longer you're married to someone, and you married them because for six months you couldn't touch them, and you still said, Harry Abakudeshasli, you still got married to that person. So that's not a body buyer. That's a personal, emotional, spiritual buyer. So that gets better. So the marriage gets stronger. And many times, girls go, like, like, I don't understand, like, like I, I think he's having an affair. And I'm like, hello, hello, you were at Shemini Gia, it was all physical your whole life. Well, guess what, he got a new secretary, what should I tell you? The secretary doesn't have an emotion, the secretary doesn't have a personality, the secretary doesn't have spirituality. Why is he going to the secretary? And the answer is, because what you sold, what you were showing... To connect to him with physical. Well, guess what? You're not as physical as you were. So, yeah. The Chachamim were brilliant. Not a bunch of mean rabbis. Oh, let's not, let, we don't want teenagers to have fun. That's not what this is about. Just the opposite. The biggest tzaddikim, I'll end with this. The biggest tzaddikim, just to give you a, to give you a, to give you just an insight. The marriages, Tzaddikim, who was Shaimanigia. These were Tzaddikim, they didn't touch the girls they were going out with, they didn't touch their wife. And sometimes we're talking about Rebbe's who, who, who met their by a Bishol, they met her for an hour and didn't see her for a year until they got married. So there's no physical, there was no crazy physical relationship. Their attention to their wives, their relationships were not normal. 
Rav Chaim Kainevsky, who's alive, to read the book on the Rebetzin. Look at that relationship. You think it was based on body parts? Are you crazy? That's what it was based on? No. I'll tell you a story, and I'll end with this, of Shlomo Zalman Auerbach, who was a Gadol Hador. His driver from Yeshiva was a friend of mine, actually an American, who had a car. And he used to drive the Rosh Yeshiva home every day. In the later years of Shlomo Zalman, when he was much older, on his way home, he had a napkin. And in the napkin, he had a piece of sponge cake. Piece of sponge cake. And this guy was a little bit of a machutz, if he still is. And he turned to Rosh Zalman and he said, Rosh Hashiva, my mother taught me that I'm not supposed to snack before dinner. But I see that Rosh Hashiva, before we go home for supper, he, you always have a piece of sponge cake. Maybe Rashiva could explain to me. Maybe I could tell my mother. The Shlema Zalman said to him, He said, When I was younger, when I used to come home from Yeshiva, I wasn't so hungry. So I would sit with the Rebetzin, and for an hour or more, we would talk about what happened in Yeshiva today, what happened in her, and then we would eat supper. But now that I'm so old, I'm very hungry. But I don't want to give up the time that I'm spending with my wife. So therefore, on the way home I have a piece of sponge cake, so I'm not so hungry, so I could sit and talk the hour and a half with her. That's the kind of marriage you have when you're Shem and Igiyah. That's the kind of marriage you have when you're a Ben Torah. When you're the real thing. And I'll tell you more what he said. At the Leviah of his wife, and this, this I never heard before. At the Levaya of his wife, he got up and said that most people have to ask Mechila from the mace, from the person who died. I, 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 it, it kills me when I go to Levaya and the children get up, each one, and ask Mechila. Their mother passed away from their mother. I didn't give you enough time. I was Mechutzif, or a father. I didn't give you enough time. I'm sorry, Tati. I'm so sorry. And I asked Mechila, please, I'm like, why didn't you do that when they were alive? They're dead in a box. I don't know if they hear you. They don't hear you. I don't know exactly what's going on. Why don't you give them a hug and a kiss when, you, when they were warm and you were warm? Why are you waiting till they're in a box? Why do people wait till their parents are in a box? Go home and hug your mother and kiss her while she's alive. And everyone asked Mechila. He got up by the levi of his wife and said, I do not have to ask forgiveness from my wife. Now this is a guddle. For I never in my life hurt the Rebetzin in any which way. And everyone that was at that Levaya, because the Godel doesn't talk like that. If he said that. So at the Shiva, when he was sitting Shiva, they asked him, Rosh Shiva, that was very unusual. What you said by the, by the Levaya was very unusual. You know what he said? He said, he had no money, and it's a minog that in the yichud room, after, after the chup, you go to a yichud room, that the chasan gives the kala jewelry. By chasidim, it's usually pearls, some, a bracelet, whatever it is, some type of jewelry. He had no money. He didn't have a penny to buy her anything. So he comes into the yichud room, 
And he says to his wife, you're talking when they were, they were very young, and he says, I don't have anything to give you in the Yichud room. But what I will give you is a promise, neder, that until we're, until we're separated from, by death, I will never, ever say anything or do anything to hurt your feelings. That's the only matana I could give you in the Yichud room. And I kept my promise. And my Rebetzin said, I'm going to give you the chasen something in the Yichud room. You have my word that till death separates us, I will never say anything to hurt you in any which way. You want a marriage like that? Is that what you want? Or you want body parts that don't last? You want a marriage like that? Focus on the spirituality and the emotional health of the other person. You let him touch you, all bets are off. You're just a body part. You got to decide what kind of husband, what kind of life you want to have. You want to be able to say at 90 or 100 years old that I never ever said a word to my husband to hurt his feelings and have a husband that say, I did the same thing, I made the same deal. Then you have to be Shem Regia. And this was not my share today. And I don't know who in this room needs to hear it. I have no idea, but someone does. Because I got, a, I got Shmuel Anavi, I got Rus, I got Medrash, I got a million different things that I wanted to talk about. And maybe it's not for anyone here. Maybe you're all Shomani Gia, and you don't need the speech. But someone watching Torah anytime is going to be like, ooh, it's got a point. The marriages. And also Shlomo Zalman used to, when he came to the house, when he came to the house with his, with his Talmidim, he used to straighten himself out and, and clean up his shoulders and, and straighten himself out. And they were like, Rebbe, who's, who's this? Is like another Rosh Hashiva? Who's there? And he would say, the Shechina. He said, Rebbe, but the Shechina's in Yeshiva too. The Shechina's in Yeshiva. You don't do this in Yeshiva. He said, I know, but the Shechina's my Rebetzin. My Rebetzin have to be clean. Yeah, can you, can you understand this? And Rabbi Moshe, there's stories of every Gadol. And they didn't date. And they didn't have chill. And there were body parts. And they go drinking together. And they go smoke up together. And hang out. They didn't chill. They chill together. No. You want to chill your whole life? Don't chill now. That's Kedusha. Hariat Mukudeshesli. I just, just last night told a girl, she's met Shem getting mad. She invited me to her wedding and she said, Rabbi Wallstein, I want to give you the last bracha. The last bracha is like for the Rebbes. For all that. The last bracha is like the main bracha. She said, you saved my life. I want to give you the last bracha. I'm like, I don't want no brachas. What do you mean? I'm like, I want to be an aide. I want to be a witness at your wedding, which is, you have to do tshuva. It's like on Samaisa to be a witness. So why do you want to be a witness? Because now this girl went through guys and all, everything. I said, because the witness at the wedding, when the boy puts the ring on the finger, right? The first time a boy should touch you is when he puts that ring on your finger. That's it. Because then he deserves, because then he's committing to you. What do we say? What does the boy say to the girl? You're mine? Till death do us part? 
You know what he says? Hareat mekudeshes li. Not like, wow, you're so cool. You got a great body. You got this. You got that. Oh my God, I'm in love. No! You are holy to me. If you're not Shemitagia, how are you going to say that? She's holy to you? Is that what you do with holy things? So I said, when, when he puts the ring on, there's only two people in the room that are allowed to say the Kudesha, because you only have two Adim, because if there's other Adim and they're not kosher, it's a big problem. So they, whoever's making the wedding, he says, Masada Kedushin, these two, and only these two, should say Mekudeshes. Because we know who these Adam are. If we're going to start having other Adam, who knows? They're puzzled. They're not puzzled. So for me, to say on a girl, after the ring is on her finger, Robert Wallstein saying, Mekudeshes, she's holy, is the greatest compliment to me and the greatest feeling. To say to a girl who went through Gehenna, who went through whatever she did, and today, tonight she's sitting... She's under a chuppah. She had Yom Kippur. It's Yom Kippur. It's Yom Kippur. The day you get married, it's Yom Kippur. The boy says, the tefillah by mincha of Yom Kippur. It's Yom Kippur. You're standing there with names. Hashem is opening Shemayim. And I'm standing by this girl who went through all this and I'm saying, Mikudeshes, you are holy because that is what marriage is about. Your holiness, your spirituality, not your physical. That's not what it's about. So we say Mikudeshes. Harry, atmakudeshesli. And you want to stand there and say, yeah, yeah, it's not a lie. I am holy to you. And now you're going to go to Minion. And now you're going to be better to your parents. Not because we're doing our various together and you pushed on my vulnerable maternal instinct. And I have no idea why I'm talking about this. Who knows? We'll find out maybe one day. You should all be matzliach. You should all be mikudeshes. You should all be holy in your eyes, in Hashem's eyes, in your family's eyes, and image them one day in a very special boy's eyes. Matzliach and bracha. Thank you. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.